Welcome to Broadway's Backbone with Brad Bradley, a podcast dedicated to the men and women of the ensemble, the chorus of dancers, singers, and actors that are the foundation of every musical. These often unsung gypsies are the hardest working people on the boards and are, well, Broadway's Backbone. Welcome to episode 18. Our special guest is Jen Cody. Hi, Jen Cody. Welcome to Broadway's Backbone. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Well, first I'll start off reading your major credits. We have Cats, Beauty and the Beast, Grease, Susical, You're in Town, Taboo, Pajama Game, Shrek, and The Princess and the Frog. Did I miss anything that you're really proud of? Um, I did a Christmas story. That had, I'm proud of that because oh, nice. it was like the fastest show I ever learned and did and and got out of. And that was like the most recent Broadway show I did. So um, that was probably the scariest. Oh, we need to update uh, IMBD oh, for well. you <laughs> because they are wrong. Damn it. Damn them. So tell me, where are you from and how you got started? I am from upstate New York, um, a little town outside of Rochester called Henrietta. Um, I got st- I went to college in Fredonia, Fredonia State University, which is about two hours outside of Rochester, an hour past Buffalo. Um, I got started as a competition dancer and uh, decided at four foot ten I probably wasn't going to end up being a dancer. <laughs> so I went to school for acting and kind of that's, that's how it, what got me on this path. Well, did you always know from a young age that this is what you wanted to do? Yes. Um, there's stories of me... Um, the famous one my mom always tells is I was in a Christmas pageant at uh, church. I was probably around four or five, and uh, the children of the church were animals on Noah's Ark. And so there was an ark on the altar, and then two by two we would have to walk down the aisle and get on the ark. And we'd rehearsed it for weeks and weeks, and our parents made all the costumes and stuff. And my mom said the night of the pageant, um, me and my best friend were walking hand in hand. We were dressed as ducks. And she said, halfway down the aisle, I stopped, and my friend kept walking, and I looked around, and she said, I saw confusion on my face, and I just started quacking all the way up the <laughs> aisle. Quack, quack, really loud. And I got, I, I, you know, they brushed me onto the ark, and, and I said, I just didn't understand why I didn't say anything. I think that's a great right? story. It's one of so. my favorite stories you have. But you said that you um, didn't think you could be a dancer, yet you've had a great Broadway career as a dancer. Yeah, well, you know, it's those things I always say, the things that are put in your head as a child, like, or as like, very influential things people say to you, and I remember being told like over and over again, like you can't, you can't be this small and be a dancer. Dancers are showgirls, and um, so I never thought I could. And then I, my first job was, you know, in Cats, and I was like, oh wait, there's tons of dancers that are small, and right. yeah, I just I wasn't, um, I wasn't. No one told me that. And uh, I always say now, whenever I go back and teach, I'm like, oh my God, you guys, find what makes you unique and just do it. Because had I been told that a long time ago, you know, who's to say where my career would have gone? Absolutely. I think being unique is very important in this business. And you've turned being small into an asset. But you know what? You're never told that. Like, I, even in school, you know, you always like, oh, well, you sound like Bernadette Peters, so you should sing those songs. Or you look like, um, like Kristen Chenoweth, so you should learn that stuff. And it's so funny because there's already a Bernadette Peters and a Kristen Chenoweth. Right. Like, why not be something else? So I always make sure to tell people, like, don't try to be anybody else because they're going to do it better. Well, absolutely. <laughs> right? So yeah. just find out what you do and do that the best because no one can do it like you. Absolutely. So yeah. one of the main reasons I wanted to interview you, and we'll talk about your Broadway credits, is because you are also 
not only an activist, I know with Sandy and everything like that, you were yeah. really involved. You're really involved with our union, which I think a lot of people don't even care about or even right. know how much goes involved in it. And you always impressed me that you do that. So how did you start and what made you decide you wanted to do it? Um, you know, when I joined the union, I joined because I got a show. Like, I didn't even know that, you know, that Broadway shows were union. And I never knew anything like that growing up. And so um, I didn't know what my union did. I, I got insurance. I didn't even, like, you know, when you're 19 years old, you could care less about insurance, right? So none of that stuff really mattered. And um, I came, and I think it was during um, Susicle when I, I started being like, oh, wait, that's a rule. And why do we have that rule? And so I went to a meeting, and, um, and I was shocked that the people in the room who were people that we voted, which I hadn't even voted at that point, um, weren't working actors. And they would say something and I would go like, well, that's not how it works anymore. They were older actors and actors that had time to spend <laughs> <laughs> on all their free time in you know in the equity building. Um, and so I was like, oh, I, I have to join up and tell them how it is when I go to these theaters. And, and now it's so much better because we have the internet. And so it's changed, I think it's changed equity because you can have working actors who can be in Seattle and call in for meetings and stuff like that. You're not mm. bound. And I think that because of that, you can have actors who have worked in all of the theaters or, or tour all the time. And, and I think it's Im the information that comes back is so much better now than we ever had before because we were stuck with a group of people that were older actors willing to work that probably are willing to work for our union that hadn't really worked a contract since like the 70s well, so that's, that's how great. I got started and uh, why do you think it's important I mean if you a young members not sure what they should get involved what are the benefits of it and what have you getting out of it well I you know I'm bossy <laughs> I'll say that <laughs> I'm bossy so I don't like anyone to like make decisions for me I think that that's like the first thing but um you know our union if you could look back to where we were even like 25 years ago the rules that we have now are so um they, they take care of us you know our body we're athletes and um we can only work for, for so long well if you're a dancer anyway and you know the athletes get paid so much money so that when their careers end they're still okay mm -hmm. we don't have any of that so to have our union like protect us with safety and and sanitary conditions like the whole smoke thing they used to put so much dangerous smoke in shows and and people were getting sick all the time and like our union stepped in and said like you can't do that or you can't dance on a rake that's so bad anymore even though your set looks really good on right. it and things like that i think that the turning point for safe and sanitary conditions is probably um uh the roller skating show i can't think of it right oh, now starlight express. starlight express i think that was when they realized oh we have to step in and to me safe and sanitary is like what I think the union, why I support all the stuff that the union does. But you know, they, if they weren't there to think that ha how many shows a day we would do or, or how many, um, you know, 40 foot ladders we would climb without any, you know, support or any nets or anything. Like, I just think that we would be pushed so far if we didn't have a union stepping in saying, no, you're not, we're not gonna let you do that. Um, yeah, I, I'm really, I'm really proud of, especially I would say in the last four years, how much um, we've stood up for ourselves. And I always say it's really hard 
um, to sit as a union uh, organizer because you are standing up against the people that who also hire you. Absolutely. And it's um I think it's a it takes a lot of balls to sit across from a choreographer who you would love to work for or have worked for and say no. Um, and so I really respect the people that choose to do that for our union because I'm sure I've lost a lot of jobs because I'm sitting across the table from producers who are like, I hate that that she's the face of uh, the no that we got, that the you know Newsies tour couldn't go out nine in New or something like that. I mean, right. that's not a thing. But um, I think that the group of people who do it, there's – there's a lot, it takes balls. Well, we're really proud that you have balls to represent <laughs> us people that just sit around and complain. Well, when you like do something. No, well, but that's what, I mean, I hope I inspire people whenever I hear people talk and I'll, I'll step and go, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but that's completely not true. So I don't know where you heard that. I hope it inspires the younger people to come and, and listen to meetings and, and really realize how much we negotiate and, and fight to protect ourselves. Well, I think that's great. How did you get your equity card? Cats. It was cats. It was cats. And how was that like, whole experience? Because did you grow up seeing cats? I did. And I I loved cats. I did. I Me loved too. the white cat. I just wanted to be her so bad. Um, it's funny how I got it because I didn't audition. I, um, I auditioned for, I went to an open call for um, Guys and Dolls. Uh -huh. And they were looking for the Hotbox Girls. And they wanted um, five, I think it was five, four and up. And so I went to the call, <laughs> of course. Because at that time, I was like, I go to all calls. And um, all you could do is write your name on an index card and your height. And so we danced four at a time. And, of course, I was cut. And the casting director at the time, Vinny Leff, kept my card. Mm. And he called over to Equity, and he said, I want this girl's number. And they said, oh, she's not in Equity. And I was like, and he was like, oh, that sucks because I really uh. wanted to hire her. And uh, he was walking down the street, and I was doing a benefit and my name was on the back of one of those theater week magazines that we used to have, you know? It was a benefit for a three-week show of Anyone Can Whistle. And so all of our names were listed. And he just happened to glance at it, and he said, that's the name. And he called the theater and left me a message. I'd never heard of him. I'd only been in the city wow. a couple weeks. And um, I walked to the Winter Garden, because he said to go to the Winter Garden. And I like went on stage. And they said, do you know why you're here? And I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> and I just kept laughing through the whole thing. And, the, and they were like, you are a rumple teaser. And I was putting cats. That's fantastic. Right? Crazy. That's a really great story. Yeah. Especially Vinny Lifford is a legendary casting director. He's, and he, you know, he, before he died, but he would come to every Broadway Bears and always make his way to the front of the stage and put a $20 bill on my G-string oh, every year. I love that. Yeah. He was a great man. He cast me in my first show. And, and Hunter in his yes. first show as well. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's amazing to see that. And I love that I feel like Tara Rubin has followed in his footstep of being a good person. Yeah. Which is nice because nice. not all casting directors it's are. It's nice to audition for people who actually like actors. Yes. <laughs> yes. How yeah. long were you with Cats? Um, I was on the road for, uh, I think, like a year and three months. And then I was put in the Broadway company. And I think I only did the Broadway company for like four months because I got Grease. Oh, and my okay. body was falling apart. Like, that was, like, you could only do it for so long. Oh. So between Grease and uh, Beauty and the Beast, which came? Grease was next. Grease was next. Yeah. And I did Grease for a long time. Well, I saw you in Grease. Yeah. And you were great. You were cha-cha. Uh, and you cha -cha. had, I mean, you are, I mean, you are energy in a bottle. Yeah. And, um, 
and you were much younger then. But no, but what? How do you maintain that? I mean, it's also a great worth ethic because you're always you always give a hundred percent. But also, just you as a person have this bundle of energy. Is that just natural? I think so. I think I like what I do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's it. I love performing. I love it. So, I, yeah, I get it. Excites me to be on stage. Um, and it, it just excites me to have fun. I think that if I can, anything I can do and have fun, I don't feel like it's a challenge. I don't feel like it's work. How long were you in Greece? Over three years. Wow. Yeah. And would Greece be the first show that you would say that stunt casting really became It was a thing? the first show. It was. Um, yeah, we, we had run, I guess like, because Rosie was not a huge star when, when she started the show. She was mm. a comedian. Everyone knew her, but she wasn't a huge star. And when she left, they brought Brooke Shields in. Mm. And then from there, there was a time, I think like almost a year, where we would have a different star every four to six weeks. Wow. So we, they called it the revolving door. And that was actually what started it. And then they brought it over to Chicago. So it was the first show to do that. And God, it was hard. Oh, I bet. Yeah. There's constant put-ins. Constant rehearsals. I think I saw Linda Ronstadt and <laughs> the, the black gymnast as oh, Patty Simcox. Uh, Dominique Dawes. Yes, those were the two people I saw. The best part about Dominique Dawes is that you know she'd never been on a stage. Um, she had never gone to high school. <laughs> so oh. she, had, she had nothing to pull from. It wasn't even like you could say, just pretend you're in the cafeteria. She had never done any of that. And um, we, she could, didn't do any you know, drugs. She couldn't take any kind of stimulant or anything. And we got her addicted to um, mochaccinos at the time. <laughs> and she was like, these are just so great, and just with a lot of energy because she'd never had caffeine. Oh my God! So yeah, we we ruined her life. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then next was uh, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. And being a replacement for a lot of people is difficult because the cast is set, and by that point, Beauty had been running a running long time. Running a while, yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't know. It's it's definitely much more fulfilling to create a role, um, but there's a challenge to it about going in, and and that show is truly about fitting the costume, like. We auditioned, and then I think three of us went over and put on the costume. Really? Yeah, that was like so that old days where you you went. I went to uh, to the stage door and went in, and we each tried on the costumes. Yeah, that's weird, right? <laughs> well, I've heard that that happening, but you're the first person that says no. Yeah, that's true. That did happen, um, but yeah, I mean, that was and Linda Talcott had been an idol of mine mm. growing up because um, she was tiny. I remember coming to see her in Jerome Robbins Broadway. I was like, oh, who's that? She's small, and she's playing all the kids, and and uh, so that was kind of a thrill to wear her costumes anyway. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So Susico, would that be next in your career? Yes. In between, that was Wild Party, which was probably the most fulfilling show I'd ever done. Oh, you did? Is that the Off Broadway? Yeah, that was the uh, Andrew Lippa. Yes, show. I've heard nothing but amazing it, things of that. That was the most, but that. Like changed me as a performer, I think. And that was Mark Dendy, um, who you Mark Dendy later did uh, Taboo, Taboo for. Taboo with, yeah. So tell me about that wild party, because that like that also has a cult following. Yeah, I think that you know it's that whole that was when the internet started, um, and we had started rehearsals at the same time they ha had done it at the public, uh, the other wild mm. party, and um, you know I, they were both very different. I went and saw the other one, completely different takes. It's like as if if you. I would say put a painting up and ask two people to paint it, and they'd be completely different right. paintings. Um, but it was the first show that I ever created. 
And it was special because there was, I can't remember how many of us there were, I think there were 16 of us in the cast. We never left the stage. So you created two hours of a story. Yeah. That didn't flash forward, it didn't flash back. It was just, you lived two hours for these people. And um, oh God, it was so artistically fulfilling. And talk about like dense stories, because when you're on stage for two hours, you the, everyone had backstories and relationships, and God, it was really good. I always find it interesting that uh, people in the ensemble don't think that that's part of the craft. Oh. That it, you just go up and say peas and carrots, and I think it's with an experience like that, you realize that the ensemble is just as important to the storyline so as anything important. else. So important, and I have to say, like, I I really get upset when I work with directors who don't understand that um who are like well you know we're gonna have like i'm not, I'm not going to mention any names but there's one director that every time i see a show of his all the girls in the ensemble they all talk like babies and it it drives me nuts <laughs> i'm like why do they all have the same voice why aren't some women strong women and some women lesbians or like i don't know Absolutely. just like I, it just is furiating that there's an archetype that always seems to come up and with this choreographer but well how much do you think that the uh artist should also try to contribute or because i think some people like to be force-fed by directors and other people like yourself and myself like to like create our own environment yeah i've worked with a director when um i've asked like oh i have an idea can i no like have literally said no wow. um, it's just not i don't think the product is going to be as good um you know with shrek while you know some people liked it some people hated it we all created those characters for a year, you know, um, and you know how what we created. Like you'd never know that my elf was a Scientologist who had sinus problems and had a inhaler, and like, <laughs> but all that stuff actually. If you listen to the score, like it's in there that you know at the end I talk about being a Scientologist and like all that stuff came from just you know doing games as our character. Oh, I think that's that's fantastic. And it makes the show better because there's something happening. It's not just, you can see in the eyes of the people that there's stuff happening. Yeah, because not everyone's watching what's going on on the spotlight. Oh. I mean, half the time, I know I'm not. No. You know what I mean? I'm like, where is the world that's going on? And that's what the ensemble it's so makes important. up of. Yeah. And I mean, and so many of the ensemble have, their, they have step out moments and they, I mean, if you just wait to be told what to do, you're not going to grow as an artist. No, you're going to be like boy seven in the back, you know, yeah. who wants that? I don't. No, because then you might as well just keep doing the same, same show forever because you're never, it's always going to be the same experience. Right. I completely agree. Yeah. So with Susical, Susical, many people, uh, you, you even noticed that you, you mentioned that's when you started paying attention to rules. Yeah. A lot of people um, said that, that was a very difficult uh, show. I know Casey Nicola always yeah. says, he's <laughs> like, that's the show that he decided... I'm never performing again. I remember him, um, there was a, I can't remember a lot of it, but there was a zoo. We were in a circus in, w in one of the scenes, and Casey was in this purple carpet outfit. I don't even, it was like, it looked like a hamburger, but it was all purple, and, <laughs> and he was sitting in a cage for the number. <laughs> and I remember in tech, he was just like, I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> it, was, it was hard. Susical was hard because um, the workshops were so fulfilling. And then it's the first time I'd gone out of town with a show. Oh. Um, and uh, the way I remember when it was is that it was the same as the first year of Survivor. And 
everyone was addicted to Survivor because okay. it was it just started. And so we would all watch it every week and like, who do you think is going to get voted off? But we would come into the theater in Boston and someone would get fired every day. So we played we played Survivor for oh Susical. And so we'd all hold up cards who we thought was going next because we had someone go every day. That, were you right ever? Um, yeah, I think we jumped the gun a couple times. Like, <laughs> well, they're going to get fired. Just when is it going to happen? So, oh. yeah. But I heard a rumor that they said, go to Gap and buy yourself costumes. Uh, okay, so... Our costume designer got fired. She was like, like the third one to get fired, and she, they took all of the costumes and threw them in a dumpster. So we still had shows. Um, so they gave us all money, and they said, "Go to Newberry Street and just come back with a black outfit," because William Ivy Long had just designed Chicago. So I think that was his go-to. So we all went out and bought clothes, and then like they mixed and matched like who they wanted to wear what. And I remember coming down to like the circle before the show and I I was in a half top and leather pants and I remember starting to cry and I said I don't understand wh what I'm wearing <laughs> like I just I didn't oh. get it and then they ended up drawing like or sewing in red and white stripes on everything it was awful and then how did it transfer to to Broadway um well we closed early in Boston, which I don't know has ever happened. Oh. And uh, they sent us home, and we got uh, Rob um, Marshall came in and redirected it. And then we opened with Willie Ivy Long designing brand new costumes. Strangely enough, I seem think looked exactly like the old costumes, <laughs> but who am I to say? I'm not a designer. I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, Urinetown is the next show that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. And <clears throat> That show is, I love that show. But what's great is that it's not just pure entertainment. I mean, and I love pure entertainment Broadway. Yeah. But it actually had a social message. It actually said some things. And um, you were in it for a while, but you also were an understudy of a, mm -hmm. a character that became iconic. And you actually did it a lot in, in Benefits and Broadway Bears and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, people think that was the character I played. Swear to God. They're like, so you were nominated for a Tony for it. I'm like, I actually, I was, I... Played the role for like three weeks on Broadway, and that was it. But well, what was it like being an, uh, an understudy? Because I mean, so many. I mean, you've worked as a principal. You still work mm -hmm. as a principal. You go back to the ensemble, mm -hmm. but then you're also oftentimes an understudy. How was that? Um, I think being an understudy is hard. I mean, I could never be a swing. Like I don't know mm -hmm. how. I don't have those kind of nerves. There's no way I could be a swing. Um, it was hard to <coughs> understudy uh, Little Sally because it was so iconic, and Spencer was so. So perfect, and she had been creating the character for years. Um, so it was hard to cover that because I think that people came expecting that, and mine was different than hers. And um, but I like to think that in shows that I understudy, and now there's a, um, a, a a more of an open like do it your version. Yes. Um, it, it was. It eventually became that and you're in town, but um, I think that to do it like other everyone else would be too hard to understudy. I've done shows where I'm like, I'm not understudying. Oh, right. It, it just doesn't, it's not going to be fulfilling to have to do that. Well, I think rarely you'll find a director or, I guess, an associate director that says make it your own. Right. Normally they're like, do exactly what they're doing. Yeah, and this is when they lift their arm and it's a little like, yeah. No. Then it's not, you're not performing. You're just going mark my mark right. until you can do it enough times where that starts to feel organic to you. Right. Well, just quick personal question. Is this where you met your husband or no? 
We met on Cats. Oh, you met on Cats. Oh yeah. Oh, so we were already married by your intent. Oh, so you got to work together again. We we uh we worked together on Grease too. For oh my years. gosh, I had yeah. no idea. Oh yeah. wow, so is that weird working with your husband? No, you know it's funny. We were, we met on Cats and then we both did Grease, and we got married and everything. And we were young and in Grease we didn't perform together really because I was chacha. I was only in twenty minutes of the show. Mm. And your intent was the first show that we worked the whole show together and it was it was a hard it was a long run I, I would like right now we do shows together for like three weeks six weeks nine weeks I don't know if I'd want to do another two year run oh absolutely you know I think that was a little it started getting like work it started being like oh and then we'd argue like at home like oh my god that you know the stage manager said this and well I think she was right to say that and so then that we kind of would bring that home so oh no absolutely yeah. Well, so taboo, <clears throat> like oh like <clears throat> like a uh, wild party, uh, has a huge cult following. Yeah. A lot of people said it was great; people love it, but it was considered a flop. Now, ha- ha- flops are heartbreaking. How do you deal with like being told that your art isn't good, even if it's wrong? Um, I think taboo was the first time that I realized, oh, it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't matter, like how hard you work or how good you think it is like taboo was funny because i think a lot of people loved the show a lot of people were moved by the show but its timing was bad rosie was hated at that point um she was also while the show was coming in she was fighting a court case for her magazine so she wasn't actually around a lot Mm. she'd never produced before we had a choreographer who had never choreographed a broadway show before we had a director who was um, allegedly, I'll say, <laughs> um, liked to drink. So, um, and we had a leading lady who was nine months pregnant. Oh my God! Because Liz McCartney was about to have a baby. So, every day at rehearsal was just a. a no one was really in charge, and um, and so the show would keep changing. And I remember one day it was like two weeks before we were starting previews. And we had changed the opening number so many times. And I said, I'm, I just have a question. Are we ghosts? Or are we actually in the 80s? Or are we looking back at the 80s? Or are we dead? Like, I don't, I don't know what we are. And the director said, well, that's a good question. And I was like, no, you should know. You're the director. And that's like, oh, oh my God. So um, it was definitely the most volatile mm. place I've ever worked. Um, Everyone was so passionate and inexperienced. Oh, and I also remember being one of the first time I like the internet wasn't quite around, but I remember Michael Riedel just having it out for you guys. I mean, just yeah. reading it in the press where you were just like, wow, it was before people would just already badmouth stuff before it even opened. And yeah. I just remember. And we previewed for 11 weeks. Oh, wow. So that was hard because we were at the theater and it, it was really hard. And then we didn't run there very long. We only ran like three months, I think. Wow. And how do you recover from something like that? Or do you, because you have such an optimistic life. Are you just like, oh, there we go? Yeah, I kind of, I knew that one was going to be, I liked the people in it. I thought the people were really, um, they did a good job of finding really unique people and um, interesting people. And so the backstage life was thrilling because you had like Lisa Guida and Nathan um, Peck and all these people who are so um, like politically they know what's going on and they have life experience and so 
I remember learning so much backstage from them, um, much more than what we did on stage. Oh, absolutely. Plus, Boy George. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Boy George. God bless him. Was that weird having the writer in the show? Yeah. I, I joined the show after, um, I was cast after they had done a workshop, or they they were about to do a workshop when I got cast, and so I went and saw the workshop, and the guy playing Boy George's part, I thought was Boy George, and oh. he was brilliant. And I was like, oh my God, Hunter's gonna be so good, Boy George is fantastic. And then I got to the first day of rehearsal, and I was like, no, no, where's the guy who was Boy George? And they're like, oh no, he was just in for the reading. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. And Boy George wasn't really a, an actor. Right. So, God bless, um, that's where my relationship with Charles Bush started. Um, because he would write these scenes, and then when they just didn't work, they'd keep cutting the scenes down. And, you know, his poor book got just destroyed. But, uh, yeah. And you did a, a play, some plays for Charles Bush, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how um, was actually, that? Actually, my a next show is author. another Charles Bush play. Um, I find him brilliant. I find him as a person, he's from a different era. Um, He's so he's so interesting, and he, he just wrote a play that I'm going to be doing in March, um, and he actually wrote the part for me, which is like wow. That's um, amazing. Yeah, I can die tomorrow. Yes, you can. Well, yeah. I don't want you to. No, but, but yeah, I could. You could. I could. Absolutely. Because Charles Bush well, wrote something for me. And can you say what it is or anything like um, that? I think so. It's called Cleo. It's based on Cleopatra, um, and it's uh, going to be done like three weeks in April, March and April, so. And here in New York, or? Yeah, all of his shows start at Theater for the New City. Yes, I yeah. saw a Christmas pageant show yeah, of his. Yeah, he does his Christmas show every yes, year. Yes, yeah. I, th- I saw that, it's and I like thought that home. was amazing. His home to create. That was amazing. So. Whoops. Oh. Ah, we are currently at Mark Fisher Fitness. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, which is, I think that we'll do a, um, a transition since we're that. Yeah. What is it about um, ha- staying fit and keeping at a certain um like health level at a certain age because we're well, a little, we're both over forty. Yeah, um, it's uh, you won't work. Like I I try to say that to like a lot of my friends who are kind of just like not don't take care of themselves, maybe a little uh, fluffy, and I'm like, God, it's it it makes a difference. It oh, makes absolutely. a difference. Like you you have to have energy and you have to have um, the ability to do eight shows a week, and I think that if you don't. Um, you know, you don't keep taking class in any form. You, um, you it doesn't stay. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. It's not a, it's not a gift. You're like, oh wait. Even when I went from dancing, dancing in a show, like really dancing in a show eight times a week, to then like acting and moving a little and singing in a show, I'm like, oh, that makes a difference too. You just kind of take it for granted when you're young and you're oh, kicking your head every time. You know, eight times a week, but. It's always going to be like that, and it's not. Well, besides being a fellow ninja with me here at Mark Fisher Fitness, yeah. what else do you do uh, outside? Do well, I take class. You do? I do take class. I, um, I try to take, like, a jazz class every once in a while, or, I, or a lot of times I'll teach, and so that's kind of a class because I'm giving a class, and um, and I find I, I work out a lot when I'm choreographing. Um, like, I'll get in a room and choreograph for a couple hours a day, and you're like, oh, now I feel good, yeah. Oh, that's great. I think we all, we get so like locked into Broadway is the be all end all and you and I met doing regional theater yeah. and um, and I think that there's such a life for Broadway performers choreographing, directing, doing regional that you have expanded. You just did the Odd Couple, which I think is so yeah. great that you get to cross over from doing plays and musicals. That's not something a lot of us can do. I actually am so fortunate and I think it helps that I got older because um, 
when I was, you know, I, up until I was like 35, I looked like I was 12, right? So I couldn't really do um, a lot of the plays. Um, and now I think I've done, of the last six shows I've done, four of them have been plays. So I love it. I just love working on a play. I just did a new play at Jiva um, that I got to like create a play. That's amazing. Yeah, like I think that this should have more of a farcical thing. All right, let's try that. Like it was so fulfilling. And uh, yeah, I love plays. Oh, absolutely. So going back to musicals then. Yeah. Um, uh, how was Pajama Game? Because that was a like a big old old fashioned musical. We had no idea it was going to be a hit. Really? I have to be honest with you. I had done the encores version, and then they fired. You know, they got a new director, and um, we rehearsed. And Harry Connick had never done a musical, so like basic stuff, like you have to stand, look downstage. Right. He didn't know because he'd done movies and TV where you can be anywhere and you can be organic because the camera will be wherever. And so, <laughs> the first scene, like he was standing facing upstage, and we're like, "Is that going to tell him? Like, we, we can't see him." Like, so we thought, oh, this is probably going to be a big disaster. And uh, I remember the first preview, we were bowing. The audience was going crazy. And we were all like, oh, my God. But, again, it was full of an ensemble of actors mm. that were thrilling. Like Paula Lega Chase and um, Bianca Marroquin and um, I'm trying to think all the guys. Like, the best character men in the business are in it. And um, so like uh, Shecky and like so all those scenes that are all just that could be horrible boring uh, step touch scenes where right. you're sewing on the machine and you know, we had such a life and uh, I think that's what made the show great oh that's fantastic yeah and did you perform on the Tonys for that show or yeah mm-hmm. and how was performing on the Tonys I it's mean always, that's just it's thrilling it's oh. always thrilling oh absolutely yeah I mean it's just you a grew magic up watching them oh you're absolutely like, oh, yeah. I'm on the Tonys. Yes. yes. So besides your Broadway career, you also are an award-winning voiceover artist uh, for uh, Princess and the Frog. Princess and the Frog. So tell me about Princess and the Frog, because people say that that's, I mean, kids just go crazy for you because you're in that movie. I, isn't that funny? I I remember, like, I, I auditioned for like a year and a half for it, and um, it's so funny to me. I, I love watching my, like, I love that that's my voice, and they'll always be my voice. Like, I'll always be that character will sound like this. But I went to the Ice Capades in Jersey, like, after the movie had opened, and um, Disney did an Ice Capades. And I had recorded the voice, so I knew that she was in it somewhere. Right. And um, the lights go down in the, in the ice rink, and a girl came skating out in my costume, and she was lip syncing to my voice. I started to cry. Like, I was like, oh, my God, someone's, like, lip-syncing to me. Like, that, for some reason, it affected me so much more than just hearing my voice on a screen. That's awesome. Isn't that wild? And ice skating to you. I yeah, mean, I and there's like kids that. going crazy. Yeah. Oh. Thrilling. Thrilling. And why uh, voiceover? I mean, you have a great voice, but is that something that you pursued on your own, or does someone no. say, you need to do this? Well, people used to say all the time, like, oh, you should be, like, the voice of a doll or something like that. And, like, <laughs> and I remember, you know, the, know that story, the Green Symphony, uh, the, the oh, yeah. deli? I was work, doing some workshop, and I went in for every day for lunch. And the man who owned it said to me one day, I'm not going to do his accent because that would be completely politically incorrect. <laughs> yes. But he's of Asian culture. And he said to me, if I had an alarm clock, I would want the voice to be you. I was like, 
that's pretty cool. Like, he'd want my voice to wake him up in the morning. <laughs> I don't know if it's because it's piercing. I'm not really sure what he meant by it, but I was like, oh. And so then after Princess and the Frog, obviously, I lucked out and everything opened up for me that I get to do this now. So was that your first big uh, yeah. voiceover? So, wow. And then they that They had just come leaves. to New York because we all had to sing. So they, um, they auditioned everybody. And uh, it started off with, like, we went in front of a camera and sang and read the scenes. And, and then it just kept getting... I remember they'd call, like, every four months and go, so we need Jen to come back. And I was like, am I still up for this? Like, uh, that was a long time ago. Wow. And, um, yeah, it ended up, like, over a year I auditioned for it. That's amazing that yeah. it goes on that long. And did, they, did the animation look like you and everything like that? Yeah. Um, well, you know, they had a drawing of what they thought she was going to look like. And then... Um, after the first uh, session, they videotaped me. Um, and so after the first session, they changed what she looked like, and she like started having my mannerisms and stuff. And it was so cool to see it because the animator was such a sweet man. He actually was the same animator who did Scar. Oh. And uh, he'd never done girls. And so he uh, he was so thrilled to show me. And I remember seeing like a little like rough cut. And I was like, oh, my God that looks like me in a weird way. Like, I can see what you did. Yeah. So. I love that. So, so next week we want to talk about Shrek. And for, <sighs> I mean, many people I know in Shrek <laughs> say that it was the hardest. Uh, hardest show I've ever done. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. what other people have said. And why was it? Because they say DreamWorks treated everyone kindly. Or is that, or they just well, threw money at things? Yeah, I think, uh, why was it? It was hard on so many levels. It was hard because... We had, the, the show that we started out to create is not the show that it became. So we had done like a few six week workshops. So we had created this from a long time. And uh, all the work that we had done kind of took us to Seattle. And then once we were in Seattle, all the people from DreamWorks started coming and mm. they were like, mm, it's not the show we want. And so they started cutting away at everything that we had created. And I think that that was like the first thing that was upsetting. And then when we were in Seattle, they replaced, they say the choreographer, but maybe the director, they replaced and brought in Rob Ashford, who then brought in some of his people to add to the cast, which were great. They were nice people, but we already felt like we didn't have enough to do. Oh, right. So then that was a little frustrating. And then we came back to New York and they got rid of our stage manager to bring in a DreamWorks person. Oh, they, wow. I believe they thought our stage manager was not helping them out. And so all those things kind of made you feel like you were not important, that they were just used to doing movies where it's in and out and you don't have to then take care of the people that... So I think that it was a lot of those things. I think it, in, in the cast, they had hired an ensemble of principals and then cut everything. And so then you have this, this group of people that expected to be doing one thing that ended up being doing and, mm. and, and were forced to stay and it just it, it was a very difficult environment mm. and how long did you stay with it I gave my notice the first day that I could I was the first to leave yeah well I mean in many ways that's commendable I think that a lot of people would just stay for the money or stay for the contract yeah. but you were unhappy and that's yeah and, I, and you know what I, I was miserable when I was there because, and I probably did not add to the atmosphere very well because I was angry. I was miserable. So better that someone go in that doesn't have the baggage of it, you know? Well, that's an amazing yeah. attitude. Well. What, I mean, no, because I, 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 <laughs> no, I go see shows all the time where you can see a person's up there and they're miserable, 
but they're on a pink contract. They can't get fired. They're getting their paycheck. Oh, yeah. And it's just so frustrating, you know what I mean? Go work at a temp job, then, if you don't really care about your job. You yeah, know what I'm saying? you know? And I've never seen you like that, and I don't think no. I s- you must have been gone when I saw Shrek. I feel like, I, I, no, I think the first time I saw Greg Ruder was on for um, for Farquaad, so that was probably oh. way into the run. No, no, no. I, I mean, I remember him going on, so. Oh, um, so then you were in it. I might have been. I, I left right at six months, so. Oh, okay. I that is. No, I mean, I, uh, I enjoyed the show, so. Um, and I can tell that you're unhappy, and I think that that's you know I mean that's an attribute to a good performance, no. you know. And then so then that you were thrown into a Christmas story. Yeah, I was walking down the street one day, and my uh, my agent called me and said, "Do you want to go swing Christmas story?" And I said, "No, <laughs> like I said before, I'm not doing that." So he said, "Okay," and he called back and he said, "Would you go in and learn one part?" And I said, "Okay," and he said, "You don't ever have to go on." And I said, "Well." I'm not going to learn a part and not go on. Like, so if I'm learning it, I'm going to go on. He was like, okay. Okay, you need to go there right now because you're going to go on. So I, uh, one of the girls had, she was going to do Rocky or something. And so she needed two weeks uh, to go off. And so I went in and learned it quick and then took over for her. Wow. And yeah, a lot I of said, that, it, it seems like with you, it's not like your phone call, your, the phone just rings and you're lucky. You have a good reputation and worth ethic that jobs well, like that happen. I think like that kind of thing, you're like, oh, we need someone who can go in and it was like a little funny role. It's like, right. oh, we need someone who can go in and be funny and get out yeah. <laughs> and learn now, it quick. How often do you feel like you get to repeat working with people because of uh, your reputation? Lo- I think I go back to a lot of the theaters over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that there's an entitlement now that a lot of people have, and there's an old school respect that, to the art that you have, that yeah. is very commendable. Just from your respect for the union and your respect for the theater, that I think that that is something that um, you can inspire other people. I hope so. I mean, I also when I don't like someone, I'm like, yeah, I never want to work with them again. That's like my worst trait is that I'm I'm pretty much like, yeah, I'm not working for them again. Uh, <laughs> my husband's like, don't say that. I'm like, nope. Being honest with you, I don't even care. I'm never gonna work with them again. So. No, that's okay because what you see is what you get with you, and that's also, yeah. but that's also a good quality because you never, uh, you never feel like you're inauthentic, you know. No. <laughs> to a fault, I think <laughs> sometimes, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, so, it, is there a magic moment in your career or anything like that that we missed? Uh, you talked about Wild Party being the show that changed yeah. you. What if? What would be your favorite theater memory? Um, you know, I, I was given a gift, and I say this all the time, and she doesn't take the, she will not take the credit for it, but when I was doing Grease, um, I, I knew, like, like, I knew how to hold for last and all that stuff, but I would watch Sally Struthers make a bit. I would watch her create it, and I sat there, and I, I'd, like, I'd watch her just wait, and then the next night just wait a little longer, and then move this way instead of that way and I watch her create bits and I was like oh that's it like that that's comic timing like that and she I learned watching her and so I credit her all the time because I for over a year I watched her create these bits that was were just I'd never seen anyone do it it was like watching Lucille Ball up close you know so I, I give her credit for that I love that. Yeah. Uh, my person like that is Michael McGraw, who you did Odd Couple with. I actually have done a couple shows with Michael uh, McGraw. I can just, I mean, I've understudied him a bunch of times, and it's just, that's some, when you can just sit there and watch, and watch another. watch it. And, and you're like, oh, it's like math. So I, I see what you're yeah. doing. Like, you try it this way, and then you try it that way. And then, like, yeah, it's amazing. 
Yeah, absolutely. And then it's just that to support to like, get, I mean, it's not copying. It's it's seeing, no. it's learning from the masters. It is, and learning it's uh, always learning to be fearless too. Yes, that's what you get from that. You're like, oh, just do it. If it bombs, it doesn't matter because it's still going to be funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's even funnier if it bombs. Yeah. yeah. And you always get another night to try it yeah. or another rehearsal to try it. You know, I don't think being safe does anything for you. No, I just did spam a lot in rehearsals. I would try things all the time. And it was like, okay, that didn't work. We'll try something else. All right, so you actually played a boy. You played Patsy yeah, in spam a lot, which is what I understood even McGraw in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which, how, I mean, this, like, just because uh, spam a lot was my biggest part of my life. Yeah. How was that playing that role? Amazing. Oh. Amazing. And I had to fight to audition. And um, I remember thinking, like, why can't it be a girl? Like, I'm not, it's not like I'm going to be a girl. Like, right. that could be a boy. You wouldn't know in that clothes. You can't tell. No, you're covered um, in mud. And so I was like, I, I'm jealous of a lot of the roles I want to do are men's roles because they don't write tiny character funny roles for women. They're mm. all for men. You guys got LeFou. You've got the guy in Aladdin. You've got... Um, all the Proteans and Forum, you've got, you, you just have all of them. Right. Every show has a small character man <laughs> who dances and sings and is funny. And I can't and wait to play them all. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't have any of those. So I was like, well, God dang it, I'm going to start playing those roles. Well, I think that that's great. Cause, <laughs> Sorry, I mean, I'll fight you for them. I mean, the two things that I like that you talked about is, I mean, that you have balls and that you're fearless. And I think that, that that's also uh, an inspiration for, I mean, everyone, but also I think for women. And I mean, have yeah. you had to fight like, body image and being a woman your whole life yes and so i think that i mean how do you commend that i mean combat that not commend yeah. it it's funny because when i all before i went into do went to do spam all the articles that would do everything was like oh that she's gonna play a man's part and, blah, blah. and then once i did it it was like like no one even mentioned it again they were like of, of course it's fine like it, it that's to me like oh then i've succeeded because now it's not even a thing it was such a thing when I came in, and now it's not even a thing. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. If we oh, were going to yeah. uh, end this interview with a song from your whole vast career, uh, what would your favorite one be? I knew you were going to say that. I don't know. Like, I, I would probably say my song in the Wild Party because it was the first time, like, I went in and made an album. Like, that was, like, the first time that I stood at a microphone and made an album that I thought, oh, someone in college is going to play this, and that's my name on it. Like, I think that that was, like... That's perfect. Yeah, so... What's the name of the song? Uh, Two of a Kind. Done. Andrew Lippa. Thank you very much. Let's go take class. <laughs> Taught to describe my feelings, but I'll try. He's gonna try. It's hard to express my... Wonder. He's wondering why. No, no, no. She's really so wonderful, so. Short. No. Petite. Yet so complete. Now, Lindy, sweet. <laughs> We're two of a kind, a perfect pair, a knockout in the ring. Kind. Show him your muscles. Nah, I, 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 
I don't want to. Show him your muscles. <laughs> it's hard to express how happy I feel inside. She feels inside. Yeah. But he'll be my sugar pappy. My buttered bride. He's really so wonderful, so. Root. No. Astute. Huh. <laughs> Just 